What the Tech Africa podcast powered by Africa Tech Radio. One of the fundamentals of successfully scaling a tech startup or any business in general is to raise capital to fund and grow your idea. But this happens to be one of the greatest challenges for tech founders in Africa who have amazing ideas to make the world a better place but have limited fund. For this reason, today on the podcast, I'll be discussing with a tech founder in Africa who has raised funds to scale from venture capitals. He'll be telling us how he did it. So if you want to know all about that, you should stay tuned and listen attentively. So welcome to yet another insightful episode of What the Tech Africa brought to you by Africa Tech Radio. I am Jessica Fortunes. As always, I bring you content around things happening in Africa Tech ecosystem. And you can always join the conversation by sending a message or a voice note via WhatsApp to 091-3558-1766 or through email, which is podcast at africatechradio.com. Now you have all that, let's go straight into the matter and talk about how I can get funds to scale my tech startup. To discuss this with me today is founder and CEO of Nigeria's first loan database called Evolve Credit. I am talking about Akan Nelson. Hello, Akan. Hey, Jessica. How are you doing? I'm fine, thank you. I hope you're doing good anyways. Yeah, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Oh, it's a pleasure. (laughs) Okay, so very quickly, tell us a little about you and what you do at Evolve Credit. Sure. Uh, uh, Thanks for the introduction. Like you said, I am Akan Nelson. I go by Akan. I'm founder CEO at Evolve Credit. And Evolve Credit is an online marketplace that connects borrowers to lenders. So anyone who's looking for a personal loan or a business loan, we connect them to the source where they can get that money. And our online marketplace is powered by our software, which is a loan management software that allows any business to essentially become a digital lender overnight, where they can you know, pre-qualify their borrowers, receive loan applications online, like electronically set up debit mandates, all of that stuff, set up payments, collect money, all of that. Um, they can, we allow them to do all of that automatically, either, um, by plugging into our software directly or through using one of our APIs. So yeah, that, that's what we're doing. But the bigger picture really is, is our, our big vision and mission is to enable, is to enable open credit for all people, not for all Africans, not just Nigerians. And that's what we're working towards. Well done. That sounds really amazing. And so the first thing that comes to my head is when you got this idea to start this business, how did you think about running it in terms of fun to start? Um, so that's a really good question. And I'd say that we probably, we, so the first thing that cost money that I remember was we in, we like uh, bought the business name and incorporated in Nigeria. That was about a, it was about a hundred thousand naira, and we we just use our own money for that. And then I think um, the first funds we raised, quote unquote, raised were were fa- were from friends and family. Um, it was about a million naira that we raised um, just from friends and family. And then after that, we got a twenty thousand dollar like angel check from from um, an angel VC. In, in Nigeria. So, but we really, I would say that we, we had a strong sense of what we wanted to do and what our idea was. And we had tested it out a little bit 
before we started thinking about raising money from from people outside ourselves or our family. Okay, amazing, amazing. Now you did mention an angel VC. So tell mm-hmm. us a bit about that. And also I'd like to, to you to tell us about how you knew about this Angel VC. Because a lot of times people say there's fund, but when you talk to founders, they don't know where the fund is. They don't even know how. They don't know where. They don't know where to start from. So if you can take us through that process, we would appreciate sure. it. Right. Uh, I'll do that. So the, the Angel VC, um, they're, they're, uh, they're really well known, at least to people in the tech industry. They're called micro-traction. Um, and they've supported a lot of um, startups that are thriving now in the Nigerian ecosystem. And so, funny enough, we had a. I first I learned about microtraction on Twitter. Um, so because I was a complete tech outsider, because uh, I'm not, I don't code or anything. I'm more on the business side. And so I started following a lot of people who felt like they were tech influencers mm-hmm. and I followed someone who, who tweeted something about microtraction. And I remember I had gone on their website and submitted like a cold application. You know, all the VCs will have some kind of form that allows you to submit your interest. And I had filled out something like that. Um, but I, I, I didn't get to speak to anyone from microtraction until I got a warm introduction from a, uh, a friend of mine who was also mentoring me, he was like a peer mentor and he was already, he was, he was already running a startup that had raised money and was a couple, you know, they were already at the seed stage at the time and he had raised two rounds. Um, and so he knew, um, someone at micro traction and, and connected us over email. And so that's something that I always recommend is, um, it's really beneficial, especially if you're just starting out in tech to make friends with someone in tech, anyone in tech, they don't need to be like the CEO or the founder or a co-founder. They can just be someone that works in the company because once you know someone in a, co- in, in a company that's alive, right, then you can ask them um, for a connection to one of their VCs or at least at, at the bare minimum, ask them for an introduction to their CEO or their founder um, so you can directly ask that person for a warm intro. I, I think... In my personal opinion, warm introductions um, are the fastest way to get investments, um, aside from, you know, building a really solid business and and getting a lot of traction, then you get headhunted. Mm-hmm. I like the fact that you made emphasis to different types of introduction, the cold introduction, which you did yourself, <laughs> <laughs> and then the yeah, warm one, right. which is like someone referencing you. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. So when did you know it was time for you to seek external funds? You mentioned that you had raised money from your friends and family, which is about a million. So how did you know that this was no longer enough and you needed more money? Well, so the the, the first thing that happens when, when you get the reality check is that um, um, you when you need to grow your team. So depending on the makeup of your founding team, so I, I guess like a classic found founding team would be two people. One person is like business and sales and vision. And one person is highly technical and can code and like build the product. Right. But sooner or later, or depending on whether you guys are part-time or, or full-time yet, you might need to hire a new person because there are lots of things at that very early stage that you need to do and pay other people for. Legal is one thing. You need to pay a lawyer to do stuff for you. Um, you know, so in our, in our case, we had to pay a lawyer 
and we had to pay um we hired we hired like uh of uh, at the time he was like a junior dev um onto the team and he needed to get paid and even though yani he's still with us now so he's been with us for for the last two years but even though at the time we were paying significantly under the market rate we still couldn't afford <laughs> we still couldn't afford to to pay him every month past a couple of months and so we needed we knew we needed a little bit of funding um to get things going a little bit and, and that, that's that's what let us know that we needed to start seeking external funding also depending on the kind of product you're building there's certain things that you'll have to start paying for right um so usually to to be able to receive to to be able to get an investment from some of the larger vcs you you would well you not always but they like you to be incorporated to have an entity uh like a us entity or an entity outside nigeria um usually it's usually a us entity so that you have a us bank account and can receive funds that way all of these things cost money um i think it, it at the time it cost us about $1500 in total just to sort out all of that um all of those legal all of the legal costs associated with setting up an entity in the US um you know so th- there are little things like that um that that pop up and i would say that we were able to get away with raising um only $20000 at the beginning because both my co-founder and i were were part time when we started if like we're both now full time but if we were both full time then we would have both needed to pay ourselves a salary so we didn't pay ourselves a salary i think for the first like you know almost the for the entire first year mm-hmm. um you know i wasn't paying myself a salary until i became full time so oh, yeah but I, how you know is how you know you need to start raising external funds is when you can't pay for the things you need to get the business going mm. um yeah and i think it'd be safe to say that you shouldn't wait until then you know like you <laughs> right yeah you shouldn't wait you know, to the last minute exactly and 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 just and i would say that that's like when people ask what's the difference between a startup and a regular business that's the core difference is that like if you're starting a regular business then that's exactly what you do right you start really small and you sell a little bit and then you reinvest some of the money you make back into your business and you grow in a very organic way right and you don't need like so you know a successful thriving business most times won't need a lot of money from outside the business until it grows really large and is trying to now like really blow up and expand but startups are all about you know the, the whole point of a startup is that like the founders think that this could become a company that's worth at least 100 million dollars in the african context but in most globally it's like we believe this company could become a billion dollar company and so you don't want to wait to do things slowly it's like Yes, give us you can give us you 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 can confidently go to investors and ask them for money because you genuinely believe that no matter how much money they give you you'd be able to pay them back in multiples mm. um once once you you've gotten everything sorted. 
makes perfect sense. And I think one thing about startup is also how they accelerate. You really need to accelerate fast and you need yeah. funds to do that. So let's go back to your first investors, Microtraction. So how did you position mm-hmm. yourself to, you know, for them to want to fund you? Because I'm sure that not everybody who goes to Microtraction gets money. So there must have been something you did right that got you through the door. Uh, yeah, so I, I would, I, I think what, what we did right is, so we already had a prototype. Um, it was very rudimentary and very skeletal, but it was a prototype. It was a working prototype at the time. And I think that is in, especially, um, if you're like me, if like, if you're like us, we, we were first time founders, um, with no track record of anything in tech, um, we're both really young, you know, we're probably, we're probably the riskiest kind of founder to invest in. And most many African founders will, would have looked like us at the time. Um, so having a prototype, being able to say, we've built this thing already that we're trying to scale, look at it. It works reasonably. Like it, at least it does what it does, what, what we say it does. And, and I think at the time, um, we even had, we even had a couple customers. We had, we had some users, at the time, right? Um, uh, I, I can't remember. It was such a long time ago, but I, I think I think we had a, we had a handful of users at the time, so that really helped. And I remember on the on the pitch, I was able to share my screen and demo, and and give them kind of like a rough demo of of what the product at the time, what we wanted it to look like. So I know that that left an impression. Of course, the introduction, the warm introduction that had been made, um, I think gave us a leg up also. And, and then in, in addition to that, um, I think we were able to demonstrate that we were really passionate about this and that we were gritty and that we, we planned on doing this, um, for, for the long run. Right. So before we engaged micro traction, this is, you know, before we engaged micro traction, before we registered anything in a legal sense, I think we had already been actively like, grinding and hustling for it maybe for maybe like a, a you know maybe a three-month period just like talking about it and going back and forth about it before we got serious and so a combination of those factors probably signaled that um that that you know well you, it was a reasonable risk to take to to, to put some money in us mm, great and i would say that your factors were quite strong just to reiterate for anyone listening um he mentioned passion you know mentioned um warm up um introduction you also talked about um your demo having a handful of customers already using this to show so that already showed that there was a market for it so that was quite amazing Mm -hmm. so since raising from micro traction have you gone on to raise from other vcs yeah, so so uh, my microtraction came in really early, and we wouldn't have been able to even get anything off the ground um, without their investment. But it it really was a stepping stone. So after that, we raised um, uh, three hundred uh, three hundred and one thousand um, uh, dollars for our pre-seed round, and that was really to get us um, to say that okay, look, we we have a prototype. Um, you know, we've, we've engaged the market a little bit and learned a lot about the market. And now, um, 
now we, we've identified this larger opportunity. So what we actually started out doing was we started out building a mobile app that let people buy now, pay later. In the future, we might come back to that product. But at the time, it wasn't the right product for us because when, as we were trying to drive that, people, our customers were calling us and telling us they wanted cash in the bank. They were telling us they didn't know where to get loans. They were telling us they couldn't get loans approved. The lenders in our, in our networks who we were speaking to kept telling us that like people are submitting bad applications, they can't help anyone, they're struggling to get high-quality leads. And so that, that was what really got us thinking about, like, wait, is there an opportunity to connect the right kinds of, to match borrowers and lenders in the market and to give people more transparent information about like the thousands of loan options they have in the market? That's how we started thinking about a marketplace. Um, and so, you know, it was the, that, the, that initial 20K that we got allowed us to explore the market and get those insights. And then um, when we, we now kind of pivoted and committed to what Evolve Credit is today, um, we, we then, we, we then went, went on to raise that $300,000. And the process for that looked very similar to how we went about getting our initial investment. Um, uh, more, more warm introductions, but way, way more cold, cold outreach. Um, you know, lots of, lots of pitches. This was all, this all, the raise all happened during COVID, um, which worked out in our favor because then everything happened over Zoom and we could engage, uh, many investors very, very quickly in a short period of time. I can go more into the strategy of how we did that if you'd like, but, um, that's yes. The short answer is yes. We, we went on to raise <laughs> uh, additional funds. I mean, now you've talked about um, strategies and now we want to know the strategies. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I mean, so different people do it differently. Um, I'll, I'll talk about two strategies and hone in on one fundraising raising strategy that I use. So there, from what I know, this is my subjective understanding of how fundraising works as my own, as my own person. So there are two schools of thought. One school of thought says that like you engage investors very, very slowly over a long period of time. You build a relationship. And then once you built the relationship, then, um, when the time is right, when you like, when, when you've decided that this is when we want to raise, you then take the plunge and ask them to invest. Another school of thought says that you don't, you don't really focus or you focus less on building relationships and just more on identifying who you're targeting. And then you basically crowd all of your meetings in a very, very short period of time. So you crowd all your meetings maybe in a two or three week or a one month period. If you're talking to like a hundred people, a hundred investors, um, you know, you crowd it in a short period of time and that way you can very, very quickly talk to a lot of people and play, play the investors off each other. Um, and, and raise your round very, very quickly. I think both strategies work well, depending on what your personality is like. Um, so if you like building relationships, deep relationships, the first strategy will, will, will work well for you. If you're better at pitching and you're better at sales, um, um, then the second strategy will work better. So I, I prefer the second strategy because I prefer the root of, you know, so maybe if I'm targeting 50, like 50 investors, I prefer, okay, I'm targeting these 50 investors. I know who I'm going to reach out to for a warm introduction. I'll maybe, I'll maybe be able to get a warm introduction to half of them. 
right? And then, um, you know, the the investors who kind of like are low priority, I might pitch them first to practice and kind of get a feel for what the response to our current pitch will be, tweak my pitch, and then schedule the remaining, you know, 40 investors all in like a two-week window one month later. Um, and that's, that, that, that's exactly what we did. We, I mean, it wasn't as, cause the round was relatively small. We didn't talk to 50 investors. We maybe spoke to, I won't say how many we spoke to because I don't <laughs> want to, no, the reason, I, the reason I don't want to say how many we spoke to is because we spoke to a relatively small number of investors, but I don't want people to think that like, that's normal. It definitely wasn't normal. And I think we were just very fortunate that we didn't have to talk to a lot of people to get the, the support we needed. But sometimes you might need to talk to upwards of a hundred investors to get the support you need. And that's perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that, that was the route we took. We got, I got a lot of warm introductions. Um, I think my, my first one or two, my first two or three pitches didn't go very well. The deal didn't go through. And then every single pitch after that went through, um, but they were all like clustered within the same like 14 day period. Um, and then the money in the bank came in. Mm, uh, the most important all came part. In maybe. <laughs> right. Be, be, because I, I would say like one mistake that I made early on, just because I, I wasn't, I didn't have the experience at the time is just because someone says they're going to invest. Um, even if they've signed like, the term sheet or signed signed your stuff um i I would say until maybe until they sign the safe then maybe you can cool down but until the money's in the bank just assume that you don't have that money um and that anything can happen And, and 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 i don't even mean this in a malicious way like people are like vcs are actively trying to screw founders over they're they're not right they make money by giving you money so they want to give you money but all sorts of things happen that make it that can like turn things upside down so another company that they're supporting might need the funds and they prioritize that company over you nigeria might change its fx rules and depending on how that how they get their money they might not be able to move the money to you on time you know there are all sorts of things that happen so i would i would say that you definitely want to keep until like you have your target in the bank you want to continue talking to to investors, even if you slow down, just keep talking to more and then you can stop talking. You can tell everyone like, okay, the round is closed when you see the figure you want in your bank account. Okay, that was very helpful. Thank you for the strategies. So now, how has it been for you having VC fund in your company? What do you think? Do you think you're more relaxed? you're maybe accelerating faster. How has that been for you? Um, so I, I'd say, I mean, I'm incredibly grateful to raise, to raise VC. I mean, it globally, a very, very small percentage of companies in the world are able to raise venture capital, a very, very small percentage. And in Africa, that percentage of companies is even smaller, right? I know that the the current tech news might make it seem like a new company is raising money every other week, but that's just because that's what the blogs report on, right? It's actually a very, you know, if you look at how many companies there are in Nigeria and how many actually raise VC funding, you, you'd see that like, it's probably less than 1%. Um, but it, uh, that, that said, I, I'd say that it, so 
the, your concerns just shift, right? So um, what having VC funding allows you to do as a founder is it gives you at least, it frees your mind up from worrying about finances, at least for a particular window. So it might be a six-month window, it might be a 12-month window, it might be an 18-month window. But for a particular window, you know that, okay, I don't have to worry about money to cover our costs, right? And you can just focus on understanding the market on growing your business, on getting your business to work, on, you know, running your, diff- you know, tinkering, doing, doing everything that, that, that you need to do um, to get whatever you're selling to work properly and then begin to really, really scale. And I think that if you look at um, a lot of a lot of startups in Nigeria that are now doing very well, they definitely went through that experimental stage and it was definitely 100% facilitated by VC funding. Some of some of our biggest tech companies today, like Jumia, for example, they spent a lot of time um, figuring out how to make e-commerce work in in Nigeria, right? And 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 now they are the foremost. They're, they're kind of the leading e-commerce platform or uh, uh, marketplace in, in in Nigeria. You know, if you look at even other companies like Okada that had to pivot for previous reasons, like the shock that they received because of the changes in government regulation. Um, a regular company probably wouldn't have been able to absorb that shock, but they were able to because they had kind of like a buffer of external funding um, to keep things going while they figured out what to do next. And and so I would say that's been the biggest change for me that that mental that mental ease. But of course, like all things, um, it begins to run thin when you now get closer to the next time for you to raise. So you know. You, most founders will raise in, in six to 12 month windows. Um, and, um, so at the back of your mind, you know, you don't have unlimited time. The money's running out and, um, you might be generating revenue, but it might not yet be enough to cover your monthly costs. And so you know that, okay, our numbers need to look good enough or our progress needs to be reasonable enough that we can inspire the next round or the next group of VCs. Um, or our existing VCs to support us with additional funds. Okay, you have covered a lot, but I'm sure that is probably one advice you'd want to give to any tech founder who's currently raising or in search of fund for their business. So what advice would it be as we wrap this up? Um, sure, uh, I'll, share, I'll share three concepts that I'm actively thinking, I've been actively thinking a lot about recently. Um, and that have been helping me deal with, I think the natural, the natural anxiety that comes with such, you know, with uh, be being a founder. So the first is kind of um, the idea of impermanence, and that like everything that happens on your startup journey is is a temporary condition, right? So like, you know, the highs will come and go. The lows will also come and go. What matters is that you're consistent on the path and that you keep evolving and moving forward. Right. Um, so th- th- that's one thing I've been reminding myself. So when, when good things happen, so like when you raise money or you're like, your numbers are rising, it's important not to get caught up, like caught up in that hype or in your own hype or whatever external hype there is and just focus on continuing to improve. So th- that's, that's the first thing that I, I that I recommend. The second concept is this, this idea of, not taking things personally like there's a lot that happens 
that like if you take it personally, it will completely shatter your self-esteem, right? So VC sometimes will say no, and they're they're also stressed, right, and also under a lot of pressure from their own investors. And so sometimes the way they the way they tell you no um, won't sit right with you, you know, or they'll they'll dismiss you. You might be working, or hopefully you're working on something that you're really passionate about and that is your dream. And to hear people not support your dream consistently um, kind of hurts. And, but it's nothing personal, right? Like, um, and, or, or at least most times it's nothing personal. And if it is personal, then I think you should, you should make it a point to not take it personally and just know that that happens sometimes and, um, you're going to be successful regardless or you're going to learn regardless, whatever you need to learn. So that's the second concept, not taking things personally. And then the, the third is to just kind of focus on the now. So, I mean, obviously you have to like plan for the future, but if you spend all your time thinking about like, cause you're going to make terrible mistakes, mistakes that will lose you money and will lose you customers and like will lose you members, members of your team will quit that kind of thing. Right. Um, if you spend your time focusing on the past, like mistakes you made on the past, or you spend your time like worrying about what's going to happen in the future. So for example, Let's say you have, you only have enough money to cover the next three months and you spend all your time panicking about what's going to happen at the end of that three months. You're not going to be able to do anything or make any decisions. So I'm making it a habit to just like focus on making the best decisions on the issues that I can solve right, right, right now. Right. Um, so those are kind of the three concepts I'd want to share with people. Nothing lasts forever. Everything's impermanent. Don't take anything personally and just focus on the present moment right now. And I think those three things will help you combat the natural stress and anxiety that comes with um, trying to build a company that's worth hundreds of millions of dollars. Mm. Amazing. Amazing. I'm here like my head is all blowing. <laughs> my notes are filled with so much words of wisdom from Akan. And I am sure that you listening, you've also learned a thing or two that can help you in your journey to raising funds. You know, I just want to say, I think I've said thank you a lot of times <laughs> during this interview, <laughs> but I just can't stop because Akan has done a great job and I want to say thank you very much. We really appreciate your time and I'm sure that we'll have it part two of this conversation because somewhere inside me, I feel yeah. like we haven't done all of it. <laughs> but then... You're welcome. Yeah. But then that's it for now on What The Tech Africa. If you've got questions or comments of any sort, please reach out to us via email at podcast at africatechradio.com or send a WhatsApp to 0913-558-1766. Use the country code plus 234 if you're outside Lagos, Nigeria. And so that's it. Do me a favor, get informed by listening to other episodes if you haven't already. And also tell someone about What The Tech Africa. As always, I'm Jessica Fortunes. See you later. Bye. What The Tech Africa, an Africa Tech Radio podcast.